fourth and manageable, an SEC football podcast brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to fourth and manageable. I'm Brad Edwards, joined by Tyler Bray, and uh, this is the end of week three of action in SEC football, and we're going to break down for you what we watched today. Tyler, let's start with the non-conference games. Uh, the big one was Miami taking on Texas A&M, obviously A&M needing to bounce back from the unexpected loss to App State the week before. And uh, mostly they did that. They, the important thing they accomplished, which was they got a win. Yeah, it wasn't the uh, prettiest win, uh, but with, you know, guys suspended, two guys getting ejected for targeting, which I still still don't get the whole targeting rule. But, uh, yeah, defense, you know, banged up – or not banged up, but missing some key players – kind of held strong in the red zone and kept, you know, Miami from scoring. And that was basically the key to them winning. Yeah, it was actually remarkable uh, given how thin that secondary was for most of the game that they didn't even allow a touchdown. I know Miami was without its top receiver for the whole game, which balanced out some of that. But truth of the matter is uh, outside of just a few plays, not getting off the field uh, in third and fourth down situations in week two against App State, the AM defense has been solid this season, as we expected it to be coming into the year. So uh, nothing to be worried about on that side of the ball if you're AM. Offensively, uh, we saw a change at quarterback um, that, you know, you, you saw Johnson in there uh, instead of King tonight, and Johnson went the whole way. What did you make of him? Did you see anything different from AM's offense with the change of QB? Uh, no. Uh Thought there might be a little more excitement to that QB change, but it's kind of the you know same thing, not you know doing anything to win games. I mean, I don't think he turned the ball over, but he was. Yeah, like didn't 50. make any big mistakes, which was important, especially in a close game like this. Yeah, I think he was 50 percent, but I mean, completion percentage. So it wasn't anything exciting. They ran the ball decently, uh, so that kind of helped out controlling the clock a little bit. But, I mean, defense was the one that stepped up. I mean, Miami had 400, I think, 400 yards of offense and only nine points. So that's not an equation to winning ballgames. Yeah, I guess if you look at the final stats, Miami outgained A&M pretty significantly. The, the difference was special teams. And I know this has kind of been a theme for the early part of the season, the number of teams that have lost games on special teams. We saw LSU do it week one against Florida State. Um, A&M won tonight uh, in large part due to Miami's mistakes on special teams where Miami missed a long field goal. They had a field goal blocked. They muffed a punt return inside their own red zone, which led to a very short drive that A&M had for one of its touchdowns. Uh, and so that was a big part of the game. And then at the very end, A&M almost gave it back by muffing a punt return inside its own 10-yard line. Uh, but Anaya Smith was able to jump on that and uh, and and kind of save the day by retaining possession, and that ended up being enough. But uh, yeah, special teams have been a really big deal in a lot of close games so far in college football. Yeah, it's it's weird because you know they take the least amount of snaps on the field, and it's you know choosing the outcome of the game. I mean, you see it in college, you see it in the pros. I mean, missed kicks, block kicks, just catching a punt which should, I don't want to say it's routine, but I mean, you do it every day in practice. You guys, 
you know, catching a punt with four other footballs in their hands. It's like, there's only one out there. What's, you know, what's the big deal? Yeah. So looking at A&M moving forward, um, they're, they're two and one now as they enter conference play uh, Arkansas on the slate next week, they were expecting to be three and oh, I mean, this is a nice win, especially uh, on the heels of what happened last week, but this is a team that expected to be one game better in the win column than they are at, at this stage. And the offense is looking sluggish. If, if you're a and what do you try at this point? You've already changed quarterbacks. What can they do to try to get better? Because what we've seen through the first three weeks looks like a team that's going to go four and four in the SEC. Yeah, you got to uh, expand the run game. I think uh, so. They need to get A-Chain the ball more because uh, they need to turn him into the A-Train because if they don't, the QBs are not going to win them a lot of ball games. Yeah, I, I think that's safe to say based on on what we've seen. They they need the running game and strong defense in order to to have success and win a lot of games this season. So, uh, I mean, if you're A&M, everything's still out there in front of you. You haven't lost a conference game yet, but uh, you, you can't be incredibly optimistic, uh, except for the fact that there aren't a whole lot of teams in the SEC West that are looking great right now. Um, one of the teams that has looked the best so far through three weeks that – you can certainly question the level of competition is Ole Miss and Ole Miss had its first power five test today going against Georgia tech, which is probably one of the weaker teams in the power five from what we've seen, but a dominant performance on both sides of the ball by the rebels. I mean, look, it, a shutout against anyone in college football these days is a great job by the defense and, and especially to do it against a team from the ACC. Um, we always think of, of Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin as a team that you would expect to score points, um, but to play defense the way they did, I think it's got to be really encouraging. Yeah, they were flying around. I uh, don't know necessarily if it was, you know, good defense or just bad offense because, I mean, Georgia Tech's recently made the switch to spread offense from the kind of crazy wing tee they used to run. And so, you know, there's going to be some uh, – challenging years for them getting used or getting recruits in that, you know, fit that mold. But, you know, you get a play like that on defense against a big time school, then, you know, they're a real team to look out for. Yeah. I think the most significant thing that we saw in this game from Ole Miss was that Lane Kiffin appears to have decided who his starting quarterback is after rotating for the first two games, Jackson Dart uh, started and, and played in this game until it was out of reach. So it, it appears that he is the Ole Miss quarterback moving forward. What are your thoughts on that choice by Kiffin? I think it's the right choice. Uh, I He fits what Lane Kiffin wants to do. He can make all the throws, all the deep crosses that, you know, Lane likes to run and follow that with daggers behind it. So he has the arm to make all those throws and can make uh, plays and extend it with his legs. Yeah, and, and look, he is, like you said, he, he has that ability to do things with his legs, maybe not to the same level that we saw Matt Corral uh, be a part of the running game for Ole Miss last year, but I'm not sure that's necessary the way that we've seen them run the ball the first three weeks. Now, can they keep this up against better competition? I don't know, but right now, uh, th those top two backs, Evans and, and the freshman Judkins, they look really good, and that Ole Miss offensive line um, looks like that it has improved a great deal. Yeah, if they can run like that every week, they they got a shot to you know take Alabama. Uh, the Zach, I mean, they went right down and scored on their first drive. I mean, I think it was five plays, four runs, one pass. 
in a touchdown. So you're like, normally, you know, Lane Kiffin likes to spread out and throw the ball and he, you know, use the ground and pound. Yeah, I, I kind of came into this season thinking with the loss of Corral and all the transfers that were coming in, that this would be a little bit of a, of a step back for Ole Miss. But look, I, I, and, and maybe it is a stretch to think that they would go back to a New Year's Six game uh, like they were in a year ago. But uh, at this point in the season, I'm not sure my opinion of Ole Miss has changed a whole lot from what it was late last season. I, I think they're uh, they're probably one of the better teams in the SEC. Nowhere close to, to Georgia, of course, and maybe – not close to Alabama. We'll get to see that one on the field, but uh, so far so good for the Rebels. And they have Tulsa next week, so they they should be undefeated going into October uh, when they open conference play against Kentucky, and that should be a fun game, but we'll talk about that one down the line. Uh, the other uh, so-called big non-conference game for the SEC today was Auburn hosting Penn State, the first Big Ten team ever to visit Jordan-Hare Stadium. Didn't go so well for the Auburn Tigers. Uh, we, we weren't really sure what to think of either team coming into this game. And, and I'm not really so sure what to think coming out of it, except that Penn State's a lot better than Auburn. That's the one thing I'm sure of. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Especially today. Uh, they have some challenges on defense. I mean, the defense played, you know, good for the first half. And then second half, it was just like the floodgates opened. And the QB position, they – First string and second string guys struggled throwing the ball. I mean, there there's times they make splash plays and, you know, it looks like, you know, they could change the game and turn it around. And then they turn around and just, you know, make a bonehead mistake or, you know, throw an interception. And for Brian Harson at this stage, he has to go with whoever he thinks is going to give him the best chance to win the highest number of games this season. You can't be thinking about next year if you're in his situation because we knew before the season ever began that he was on the hot seat. Uh, and and his, his athletic director just recently was forced out. He technically uh, resigned. But, look, he, he's dead man walking. It really feels like. And, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, you're probably listening to it on Sunday. And, and the way Auburn operates wouldn't even surprise me if by the time you hear it, he's been fired. But um, to the best of our knowledge, he will at least still be the Auburn coach uh, next week. So if you're if you're Brian Harson, what buttons do you have to push here, Tyler? I mean, it, it looks like your team is just lacking talent in too many areas. Yeah, all three phases right now are struggling. Uh, it's not a good situation to be a in with the coach being on a hot seat. Uh, but you're you're playing with nothing to lose at this point. You got to expect that, you know, you're going to get fired at the end of the season, if not when you walked onto the bus tonight. And so it's going to be one of those, you know, things where you need to, you know, bring out some trick plays or, you know, go for it on fourth down more, you know, some onside kicks. You get, basically got to pull some uh, rabbits out of a hat here. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do to try to win the very next game and, and live to coach again the next week. And that's just kind of where you are with Auburn. I kind of felt like if they won today, you looked at their schedule and you're like, OK, you know, I, I could see this team having a chance to become bowl eligible. But after what we saw today, they might be lucky to go two and six in the SEC. And uh, at least in, in my opinion, they're clearly the weakest team in the SEC West. So it, it looks like a long season for the Auburn Tigers. Now there, there are a couple of other teams uh, in the SEC that uh, were fortunate 
not to lose, but I can't really say that they looked a whole lot better than Auburn did uh, because they were playing much lesser competition. One of them, the Florida Gators, who we saw in week one, um, very impressive and an upset of a top 10 Utah team. Last week didn't look so good in losing on their home field against Kentucky and understandably not as intense today, probably you know, weren't as motivated to take on a South Florida team, which we have seen get dominated in the last couple of years by power five opposition and South Florida gave Florida all they could handle today. Um, had a field goal attempt late that would have tied the game that they ended up botching and Florida hangs on for a three-point win. The other one was Arkansas, which was facing its former head coach, Bobby Petrino, who is now at Missouri State, a top 10 program in the FCS. Missouri State jumped up 17-0 on Arkansas. Arkansas came back to tie it at 17. Then uh, Missouri State retook the lead. And uh, Arkansas was actually down 10 points in the fourth quarter before they just really poured it on late, finally asserted themselves, ended up with a deceiving 11-point victory. It wasn't as comfortable as, as the final score made it look. But uh, all, all I want to ask you about those two teams, Tyler, is, is this whole concept of coming out flat. And given what you may have, have done the previous couple of weeks and who you have coming up the, the next week on the schedule – just not taking an opponent as seriously as you should or as your coaches would like you to. What causes that? I mean, there's no doubt it's a real thing. We, we see it all the time. What causes that to happen? It's kind of human nature. I mean, you face a lesser opponent. You try to not conserve energy for next week, but you got to think, you know, for the future. You're looking at this game as, hey, let's, you know, get a win. Let's get out of it healthy and, uh, you know, prepare for next week. And, I mean – Teams have not been playing good when they're doing that. And it shows. I mean, Arkansas is, you know, a team that can compete. I don't think they have a chance to win it all, but it's one of those teams that, you know, could push at the end of the season. And, you know, 17-0 to early is not the way to do it. Then you're playing catch-up the whole time, and then you're actually having to strain harder than, you know, if you just came out and blew them out early and got your guys rest. But it's just, it's human nature for these teams to do for these guys to do it and you know it's probably not going to change yeah and that that's probably the biggest thing for those coaches they look at this as this was an opportunity to possibly give some starters a little bit of rest before for arkansas you have a&m next week for florida you have tennessee next week but everybody had to go the full four quarters um so no rest but but they'll move on and we'll talk about those games that are coming up in week four a little bit later in this podcast